0: Queerly Beloveds, we are gathered here today for some juicy conversations about all things spiritually queer and queerly spiritual. I'm Will Fisher, and I'm a light worker, a retreat making maven, a coach, and a drag queen. And I'll be chatting with the most amazing healers, visionaries, wizards, and witches who I can't wait for you to get to know and to learn from their epic stories and powerful practices. All right, let's get super wooed together in this spiritual AF, queer AF cosmic container. And blast off. Hello, beloveds. I'm so thrilled to share with you this interview with a man whom I greatly admire, Christian De La Huerta. Christian is a personal transformational coach, a spiritual teacher, a TEDx speaker, and he is the award-winning author of Awakening the Soul of Power, a highly awarded book that was described by Gloria Stefan as a balm for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions. He's traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting, life-changing effects. So we start this interview exploring the recent attack on drag queens from a spiritual and cultural movement perspective. We then dive into a bunch of juicy topics from his book, like what is soulful power or spiritual power, and what does that mean in contrast to ego power? Next, we explore what do we even mean when we talk about the ego? We then discuss discernment and how do we discern thoughts coming from shadow or ego versus wisdom coming from our highest self or heart. We then explore the power of breathwork. So if you're a breathwork person, you're going to want to hear Christian share about how he has yet to find anything as effective and efficient for healing past trauma with breathwork and why that might be. I then share about my recent plant medicine ceremony in Costa Rica in relationship to our conversation about healing trauma, and Christian shares a story about finding and addressing a blind spot by getting curious about how external dramas were showing up for him and why. All these topics and more in this powerful interview that I believe you're really going to love. Enjoy. Hello, Christian. How are you? Hey, Will. Good to see you. Great to see you too. I'm excited to share this space with you today.
1: Yeah, me too. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Awesome.
0: So as I like to start all my conversations with, um, well, at least the ones on this podcast, perhaps I don't do it as I walk through the world, but the conversations on this podcast, I like to ask guests, who are you in this moment, on this day, living in this body, on this planet, But tell me who you are by describing the perfect drag avatar that represents that. And if you'd like, I can go first so you can have a second to think about it. Please go first. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. So I'm just back from Costa Rica. It was an amazing time in Costa Rica. It was raining like crazy, but it was perfect in that the rain was just cleansing us you know and i we did some some time sitting with some plant medicine the work was very very cleansing for me uh, shedding a lot of layers And as a result, I'm feeling a lot of lightness. Um, and so my drag avatar would, would certainly represent that. And as I look out, I'm seeing this, um, beautiful yellow flower coming out of one of my succulents. And so that's, that's how I'm seeing myself right now. Just like this, this yellow flower kind of reaching for the sun, you know, stripped of, of some of the heaviness of yesterday and, and, and ready for spring. So I'm a flower today. That's my drag avatar. A yellow flower, a yellow succulent flower. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you went first because I was like a little stomped at first when you said drag
1: avatar. Sure. So what, what popped up for me was... um the scene from because I feel pretty grounded and steady mm. today, so is the the rock from everything everywhere all at once, when mm. their, their lifetime, where we're just rocks sitting mm. on, on the cliffside with a beautiful perspective, a beautiful view, mm. um, the wind
0: softening and caressing. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that, and I, I, that that movie's very present to me. I was actually just last night watching. Uh, I, you know, had missed the Oscars, so I was watching the acceptance speeches from so many of the actors, and that movie was so profound for me. I don't know if you're a fan of it. Um, I me mean, I'm too. Guessing, I loved it. I yeah. saw
1: it a year ago we, yeah. like, when I came out, and I knew, I knew she was going to win the Oscar for that.
0: She certainly deserved it. And there was actually a moment in the jungle in Costa Rica, actually, where I was really sitting with the idea of everything everywhere all at once. And specifically what I was sitting with, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is this idea that... Everything is in everything that if we were all one, we are in, in a sense the, there's everything in everything. And I, as I was sitting with that, I was thinking about the, the moments, like if, if we're able to, to freeze a moment, there's everything in it. Right. And so then we get to choose what we're present to in every moment. Um, I love that. Yeah, thanks. And I, I was experimenting with pleasure in particular. Like, how can I find pleasure in every single moment? And it's, you know, it, it was challenging as I was looking at certain moments, but I, I could still find something, just a little bit of pleasure. What a what a profound question to to be in. Yeah. And maybe
1: pleasure is put, pushing it. Gratitude for sure. I can do that mm. easily. Finding mm. pleasure in everything, that's a bit more of a stretch.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Certainly. Um, but something that I I was enjoying playing with anyways. Um, so, you know, we were just talking about our drag avatars and I feel like drag is a hot topic right now. And so I'd love to just hear your thoughts on what's going on with these attacks on, on drag queens.
1: Well, and especially, you know, I'm right now I'm in Florida, which Mm. is, I've lived in and out of, you know, since we got here to the States uh, my family's based mostly in Miami. And these days I'm more of a digital nomad, but I happen to be in Fort Lauderdale for, for a month. Mm. And it's a big thing here. You know, this whole, you know, like hotels are being uh, are being threatened wow. to be pursued in court just for having a, a drag show. Um, wow. I know what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee. It's, it's uh, I guess it's a Southern thing, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... Well, two things. I think one of them is it's it's political gimmick. This whole culture war thing is sure. to distract, to take attention from, mm-hmm. um, and to and to poke at the fear that's underneath mm. a, a large component of of our society today, a significant component.
2: Mm. And
1: I think what that fear is, which is the deeper part of what's going on, um, it's a gender thing. Mm-hmm. It's you know as because if, if we think about it, homophobia and misogyny, mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin. If we yeah. look at every culture, every religion in which homosexuality is condemned and, and persecuted, 100% correlation, mm-hmm. those are the same cultures where women are not equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the deeper one is actually misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, and things then like drag or the trans, which, which are the two hot, Culture, um, war items right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you know, abortion, woman's right to, to choose yeah. what to do with her body. It's also about a into to the feminine and oppressing yeah. the feminine and telling the feminine what to do, mm. um, controlling the feminine. Mm. Um, and so it's in a way, it's, you know, it makes sense to me that. Mm-hmm. That as as women are reclaiming their power and stepping yeah. more and more fully, if we look at the numbers, like more than 50% of college graduates are women today. Mm. So we can see which way this is heading. Yeah, And I think 2017, I think it's the year that I have numbers for um, in my last book, mm-hmm. where in 40% of heterosexual <coughs> households, the woman is out earning the man. Wow. And so things are shifting. And then that those men who suddenly, whose jobs are also being replaced by outsourcing and globalization and computers Mm -hmm. and maybe now even chat GPT. Sure. um, It's like, they're in fear. They're they're, they're having an identity, like a profound identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not the breadwinner? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, if you ask me, it's a very limited and limiting way of defining what a man is and what your masculinity is about. Sure. Are you really going to measure it by the size of your paycheck? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, you know, but that's the way it is. So no wonder that that chunk, that particular percentage of the population is looking backwards, back mm-hmm. to the 50s, back mm-hmm. to the way that where things were clearly defined and one group had, you know, the majority of all the power in, in the world. Mm. And there's no way to put that cat back back in the bag. There's just no way. So it's yeah, I actually have compassion for for somebody like that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for having that compassion. Uh, there's a good example of everything in every moment, but that's a hard one to tap into. I was looking at some of these laws are terrifying. It's so it outrageous. Is. I mean, like a drag queen who's performing at a drag brunch could be, could end up in jail for 10 years. And I think it was Arizona or Arkansas and could, is, could be registered as a sex offender because they lip synced to frozen or something. Like, it's just so outrageous. And it is know, outrageous. as, as you were so talking outrageous. about the misogyny piece, what is present to me is this threat to the patriarchy. You know, the divine divine feminine is coming in and the men are starting to see it. They're starting to quake in their bones because (laughs) they're recognizing that this off balance of masculine energy that's been so prevalent for so long is suddenly starting to shift. I mean, maybe not suddenly, but it's starting to shift in a real way. And it makes sense to me that they would feel threatened. And it makes sense that if they're threatened, that they would be lashing out in these ridiculous ways. And it makes sense to me that it would come in the form of attacking drag queens because they are such a, a an embodiment of celebrating the divine feminine, and the the fact that it's a man or a, a, often a, a person in a male body doing that makes it even more scary, threatening. Exactly,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Because in their view, from their you know from what to me is a limited perspective, it's mm-hmm. a man who is willingly giving up the superior in quotes yeah. male status. Yeah. And that's a threat to the status quo,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I think connects to, you know, why, you know, if you ask a, a homophobe, you know, like a straight, straight man, you know, two women together, ooh, I want some of that. I want to get into that. Sure. Two men together, you know, you shoot them or, or gross. That's right. Kill them, get rid of them. And, and I think, and, and, you know, it goes back to the biblical quote unquote, you know, supposed, supposed prohibitions. Mm. Like, I think it's, I think it's the, the one that's Romans that you shouldn't lie with a man as you do with a woman. Mm-hmm. They, didn't say, they didn't say anything about two women lying together because mm. two women weren't even human then. They were wow. property. Wow. Um, and two women are not a threat to the status quo mm-hmm. that much. To men, two men. Because of that, is a profound threat to the status quo.
0: Mm, yeah, and that also brings up for me the idea that women aren't here to experience pleasure, right? That that that's a, a masculine uh, privilege, um, and so yeah, again, that they wouldn't even consider that possibility. Um, yeah, it's such oppressive. Which is absurd,
1: because the whole realm of pleasure is the feminine. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That is the feminine energy, mm. is uh, sensuality, pleasure, mm. um, in, in a very powerful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, to me, that's the realm of the pleasure. And you're right. But that's part of the fear, which you know, mm. which explains the 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 travesty, the tragedy of female circumcision mm. that still happens in this
0: world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on what can be done about this pushback as as we do move into a more or I hopefully as hopefully as we move into a more balanced divine masculine and divine feminine paradigm? Um, any thoughts on how we can keep moving forward in the progress that we've made thus far in the face of these pushbacks?
1: Just stay the course and mm. shine as bright as we can. Yes. Um, that's what eventually is going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And mm. that is what's changing everything. You know, they used to tell us out in 20 years ago that coming out was the most profound thing that each one of us could do that and mm. I think somebody did a study that it's I think it was like the fifth or the sixth person person that they knew who came out that's when their opinions began to change. Wow. Um and so just stay the course and and for sure, especially for gay men, to, to be supportive roles for women in general, mm-hmm. um, because that's where the attack is being, that's really the underlying attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means in terms of resources, in, in terms of supporting with our bodies when there's a demonstration, going to a parade, mm-hmm. um, that to me, that's definitely things that we can all do.
0: Mm. Um, I think that's a really important reminder. I think there's a lot of folks in the LGBTQ community who, who, who miss that, who, who, who that, that, that truth, or I, I, I hold that truth as well, that this is really a gender thing, that this is really about misogyny. I feel like many in our, in our queer community, uh, perhaps don't look at that, that idea that, you know, it's, it's, it stems from this misogyny, from you know, women um, and divine feminine um, coming more into power.
1: Yeah, and it's inevitable. It's it's happening.
0: Yeah, like and and the outcome is it's clear.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We just need to maintain the course and be supportive for each other, yeah. and, and figure out a way to maintain center. Um, mm. You know, being in South Florida, storms are real, very, hurricanes are very real part of life for us down here. Mm. So it's that visual of the eye of the storm. Like, so yes. no matter what drama is going on in the world, no matter what, what drama the, the, the different political leaders are throwing just to confuse yes. things and to distract. You know those flares to call upon the attention, take take the attention elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what the judgments, the expectations, the demands from people we know or society in general, we maintain center
0: <clears throat> and, and clarity and mm-hmm. in our power. Mm. Yes. Well, that's a great segue into Awakening the Soul of Power, your book, which I really just loved and, and really enjoyed um, reading when I was in Costa Rica in the jungle and the pouring rain. It was a perfect book to put some energy and attention to. And so, yeah, I'd love for you to share what, what you mean by the soul of power. So maybe talk a little bit about that title. Uh, I know that's a a big one to to jump into, but it's just (laughs) such a powerful title, Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. I love it.
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, Mm. So let me frame it this way. I think most of us have an ambivalent, and I would even say conflicted relationship about power. Mm. There's a part of us that wants it. And there's a part of us that is afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we fear is that if we really stepped into our power, if we really beed all of who we are, we fulfilled our, our unique human potential, mm. that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up rejected and alone. And that's no mm-hmm. fun. Who wants that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we also fear that we might abuse it. And mm-hmm. no wonder. How many abuses of power have we witnessed sure. in our lifetimes? Countless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good-hearted people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we've been conditioned to believe that power corrupts. Power is a bad thing. And, uh, an absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And who wants to be corrupted? That mm-hmm. doesn't sound fun either. And so what happens when you add to that mix, which relates to, to this conditioning of, 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 of the, the masculine and the feminine, like especially for guys who have who, been conditioned, little boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Right? Why is that? Because only little mm-hmm. girls cry. And that's weakness. Um completely faulty assumptions all around that, that the feminine is weak, that the emotions are weakness, completely false assumptions. But let's go with it. Because of that conditioning, we, we run away from the emotions, we hate conflict, we avoid confrontation. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is that we give away our power, our innate power, inherent power that nobody can give to us. Mm. We take away. We are the only ones who give it away. And to me, the saddest part is that the reasons for which we would give it away, like how many times have we said yes, when inside, it's really a no. Inside, mm-hmm. it's not okay with us. But for whatever reason, for that illusion of acceptance, we don't want to rock, rock the boat too much mm-hmm. of a relationship um, because we fear rejection. Uh, for all those reasons, mm-hmm. we override our f- beliefs, our feelings, our preferences, our desires, even our dreams. Mm-hmm. And we settle for less. We settle for crumbs. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a good strategy. Um, so what this book talks about is like, how do we step into power in a different way? Because if, if we look at that power corrupt quote, Lord Acton, who spoke those words, was mm-hmm. speaking specifically about political power, sure, not personal power. Mm -hmm. And and so how do we step into personal power in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination that that requires that I push you down, step on somebody else in order for me to feel powerful? Mm -hmm. How do we do that in a way? So the pathway to that is beginning to understand that there are different kinds of power. Mm-hmm. So, I talk, I talk about worldly power or ego power, egoic power, which is the way that the world relates to and views power. Mm-hmm. Which, what is that, right? We tend to associate power with people who are, who are wealthy, who have a lot of money, who are famous, mm-hmm. or high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether yeah. it's the corporate ladder or something like that. Yeah. But the thing about all those kinds of powers is that they're external, they're outside of us, mm-hmm. which makes them fickle. Mm-hmm. Here today, Gone tomorrow. Yes. And and that kind of power always has an agenda and it's always blowing itself up to seem bigger than it is, mm-hmm. than, it, than it actually is. And we don't have to go very far in, in history to, to come up with examples of political leaders who who do that, right? Who mm-hmm. puff and puff and, and, and have to be the best at, at everything. And when you really scratch under the surface, they're miserable little scary, scared mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Like pitiful. Um, and, and so it's also, so in contrast, let's look at what I call soulful power, which is that, or spiritual power, that authentic power that's inside each and every one of us that mm. we all have access to. Mm. Um, and so it's humble. It doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Mm. It's about service, it's about making a difference.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and so I think of a Gandhi or mm-hmm. Gandalf, if you're into the Lord of the Rings. and Yes. Monastic robes, their sandal feet. Mm. I'm looking at them from the outside, you would never know how much power mm. they hold mm. until it's necessary. Yes. Then, get out of the freaking way. <laughs> <laughs> because Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees mm-hmm. when it was at its highest point in terms of global power and influence and reach. Wow. And he did that without ever shooting a gun or landing a single punch—that's mm. power.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. And as you mentioned, Gandalf. What popped up for me is um, is chi, is life force energy. I'm curious how that, if at all, relates to this. I'm just seeing like Gandalf standing in his power, and you know, with the the thrust of his his uh, staff, you know, it it can move mountains. It can like cause such uh, an impact. I'm curious if, if um, life force energy is related to this in any ways. I think that's a great question. And I, and I think I, I agree with you. I Mm. I see that too.
1: Mm. Um, So like if you, if you you ask me, right, what are some practices that people can take? Sure. um, In order to build up their, their sense of empowerment, I would include that in there. Yeah. Anything that's going to, support you to go inside, to go within and build that, that universal energy that we all have access to because yes. it flows through us too. Yes. So the more that we can do to become aware of the whole, you know, that's chi is part of the martial, the
0: whole martial arts. Yes. Awesome. And you mentioned the distinction between um, the the soulful power And I believe you said egoic power. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about ego. I I love how you break it down in the book. And I'd love for you to share some of that wisdom with the listeners.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's a really critical teaching. I spent probably, what, the first quarter of the book teaching about that. Mm -hmm. Because if we want to have a sense of personal power, if we want to have relationships that have a chance of working, if we want to have a life that is filled with meaning, with purpose, We've got to understand what the ego is. And there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about that. You know, for most of us who, who know the word, we'll think mm-hmm. arrogance, inflated sense of self, like a big ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is that for sure, but it's a lot more than that. Um, and we don't really have time to dive into it, but, but here's a great visual that mm-hmm. helps to, to really get it because the ego is just a part of who we are. It's part of our identity is the sense of self, the sense of yes. separate personality. In fact, that's what ego means in Latin. Ego means I. Okay. So it's that sense of Iness. This is Christian, that's well. Ultimately, illusion, mm-hmm. both a helpful illusion sure. and the source of all our suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the visual. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Mm. That sense of separate personality. Who we are is actually the stadium. Mm. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all who we are. Mm. And to make really important choices, critical choices about our what we do with our lives, about our relationships, from mm-hmm. its very small, limited and altity in our perception from the baseball onto the stadium.
0: Mm. I love that imagery. That's such a powerful metaphor. And I'm Curious how you might describe what the stadium is.
1: Good question. I would say the stadium is our own piece, our own parcel mm. of sacred real estate. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if, you know, if as even Western traditions teaches the, the sacred or God or whatever word you want to use, that is omnipresent, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um that means that it is everywhere. And that Mm -hmm. means that it's in this body and that body and not Mm -hmm. just some part of our body, not just up here in the head and not just in the heart. That means it's in the genitals too and in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So It's either everywhere and omnipresent or it's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, a whole other conversation about what that means. Sure. um, In terms of sexuality and lovemaking. Mm. Um, and how we bring back the, the spiritual and the sexual? How do, how do we bridge that gap? Whole mm. other oh, conversation that you and I. Sure. Could have. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so that's the stadium is that consciousness as it manifests through each one of individual. Going back to what you're talking about, the hologram, mm-hmm. the the all in each
0: little individual piece. Yes. And how do we tap into the stadium? If, if we're so often just operating from the ego, how do we embrace and start filling in the stadium so we can move through life with that power?
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Going mm. within. Mm. I, don't, I don't see a way around that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where all the answers are. Mm-hmm. A. Um, and and that's why this work that we're talking about is really heroic. Because going through life just kind of coasting and being buffeted by life's ups and downs, um, anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. To pause and to go within, to dive within, and to have the courage that it takes to face our, our inner demons, our mm-hmm. self doubt, um, our you know all the all the conditioning to to have the the courage and the gumption to ask, why do I believe the things that I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's, you know, it's, it's heroic work. It's, it's the stuff of heroes. Not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly rewarding because the, the reward for that is freedom. Right? Yes. Freedom of choice and a sense of authentic empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any practice that we can do um, mm-hmm. to go within, to figure out who we are, Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why in the, in the old temples, in the old days, they used to say, know thyself in the mm-hmm. entryway. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not dogmatic about many things, but I think that's one that I don't, if, and I guess I'm not dogmatic, is that if you can show me a way
2: mm-hmm. around
1: that, I'd consider it. But I <laughs> don't see a way, if you want to be free, if you want to be in your power, mm-hmm. if you want to have a life you know, that's filled with meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. you, you got to go within. I don't see mm-hmm. a way around it.
0: Yeah, and it brings me back to, the advice you gave around staying steady through the storm and how we might show up to push back against some of the backlash we're facing right now. The oppressive backlash is to let our light shine brighter, right? Now is a even more pivotal and crucial moment for us to do that work, to get to know who we are and then to express that. And that's often, you know, I, I, I feel like. Sometimes that's the missing piece is um, there's the step of getting to know oneself and then there's the step of actually expressing that in the world. You know, I really like the piece around congruence. You know, I thought that was so um, profound to think about how we show up in all the different modalities of life i you know i'm a bit of a shapeshifter and so it's very easy for me to put on different masks according to what i'm looking to achieve in any scenario and that that chapter really invited me into this challenging i would perceive it as a potentially challenging invitation To really get clear about who I am and how I want to show up. And then to do that consistently in every scenario with any group of people, whether it's, you know, a group of gay guys having drinks after a chorus rehearsal, or it's a group of folks, you know, I'm working with at Capital One who I'm like doing corporate coaching with. Like, how do I keep congruence in the way I'm showing up?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that you're bringing that up because congruence means that, right? That mm-hmm. what we say, how we behave, how we show up is, is consistent with, is a match with who we are authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's actually easier to be that, right? Just to, we get to be who we are mm-hmm. wherever we are. To me, yeah. that's easy. Yeah, it's it. To me, the part that's exhausting is what we've done up, you know, in the past. Where I show up this way at work, this way with mm-hmm. my parents, this way with my friends, this mm-hmm. way, this way with my lover, and then to remember all of that it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, this doesn't mean that we have to share every deepest, most sure. intimate secret or aspect of ourselves in any of those settings. Of course mm-hmm. not. Um, you know, we always retain that choice as as to what to say to whom and when. Mm-hmm. Um, But it just means that there's, to me, there's so much freedom. It's like, I just get to be who Mm -hmm. I am wherever, Mm -hmm. wherever I am in whatever setting.
0: Yeah. And it's finding that core of who we are and allowing that to be steady through these different situations. I remember when I was in my 20s, I had a tendency to mold myself according to whatever the man I was falling in love with wanted, right? And I remember a boyfriend that I had for many months, um, him seeing me in around my friends and seeing this whole side of me that I had never exposed to him. And suddenly he felt, you know, bamboozled, which in a way he had been, I hadn't exposed all of who I was because I wanted to uh, please him. And I wanted to be the boyfriend that he was looking for and conform to his ideal expectation of what a boyfriend can be. And uh, it was a, a harsh lesson for me when we broke up yeah. as a result. And it has helped me find more determination and commitment to showing up you know, with potential partners as my authentic self so I don't have to go through that pain again.
1: Good for you. Because the other layer of that is that it's all in our minds. Right? Mm. So we're, we're trying to fit into our perception of what we think they want. Yeah. We haven't even had the conversation about what do they want. Sure. So it's all like in our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of it is conditioning. And, mm-hmm. and I hear that all the time, you know, from in my relationships retreats and work, mm-hmm. um, where we spend time on un- un- unearthing, like looking at the, st- the subconscious stuff, mm-hmm. um, the patterns that have us sabotaging our relationships mm-hmm. before we even get started. By mm-hmm. attracting or falling for the for the wrong people, people who are yeah. not a match, sure, people who are not available. You know, they live mm-hmm. on the other side of the country, or they're already with somebody else, or mm-hmm. or they're just not there. So mm-hmm. why do we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, because at some point we got to get clear and honest and realize that there's only one constant in every one of those relationships, mm-hmm. and every one of those arguments, right here. That's right. So mm-hmm. why do we do what we do? And and mm-hmm. one of the areas, one of the ex- the concerns that people express as subconscious fears is that if I get into another relationship, I'm going to lose myself. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's exactly what you're talking about. And I've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't. If, if that's what's going to happen, if that's what it means to be in a relationship, then I don't want to be part of that either. Sure. Mm-hmm. But we, by unearthing and dislodging these, these beliefs that a lot of time, we're, most of the time I would say, we're not even conscious of mm-hmm. and the effect that they're having on our behavior because what we end up doing is like this come here come here mm-hmm. but, but don't too close not too close mm-hmm. yeah. Sure, and that's the sab- that's the sabotaging part mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it makes sense that when we haven't done this journey of self-awareness that it'd be easy to lose ourselves because we don't really know what ourselves are right we we haven't explored that stadium and so it, it makes sense that you know, depending on where we're at in our path, we don't necessarily show up as strong as we need to when we're stepping into those relationships. And so, you know, I always when I'm working with my clients, we always start with a foundation of self-awareness. You have to start with recognizing who you are and where you're at in order to start working towards changing any of that and transforming it. We need to get the baseline of understanding who you are. And one of the things I've been working with recently, which the book was making me really think about was discernment. So discernment around some of the thoughts that I have that are motivating my actions and really trying to discern between those thoughts that are Coming from a shadow place, coming from fear, perhaps coming from ego, and what are the thoughts that are coming from you know the stadium, coming from the high, higher self I'm curious love if that. you have any thoughts on on that
1: no, I love that word that's the word that I use discernment mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how we know whether the difference between a judgment
2: mm-hmm.
1: which comes from ego
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a discernment mm-hmm. which you know which is like a more neutrally charged. Like the yes. judgment has a charge, has a negative yeah. charge. Um, mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't be with that person or I hate the way your your hair looks or, mm. um, you know, it, it has a, a charge on it. A discernment is is more of a neutral thing to me, mm-hmm. which is like, of course we get to decide, you know, we, we all get to navigate that question and decide what's what's good for us, what's not, what works for us, what doesn't, mm-hmm. what's negotiable, what's not. Um and to me, that's more in the realm of discernment, yes, which comes mm. from a deeper, quieter place, rather than that immediate judgment uh charged um emotional charge mm. reaction that we have
0: mm. yeah, I appreciate that uh, you know what comes up for me is that it gives more access to our heart wisdom, perhaps you know when yeah. when we when we slow down instead of that. Quick reactive uh, moment of judgment to sit with with thoughts and sit with decisions and really check in with our heart, you know, and and work with that that heart wisdom.
1: Yeah, yeah um, I think you. I think that feels right to me too. Mm, what, and, because what the problem with the reaction is that mm, after the reaction comes the regret. Sure. Um, you know when we do or say something that in the heat of the moment. Um, then the adrenaline dissipates and we start coming back to center then and then begins mm-hmm. the self punishment. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that. That was so mean. Mm-hmm. That was cruel. Mm-hmm. And then begins the, the cycle of punishing ourselves. I'm such a bad person, mm-hmm. which is also ego. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, what we're talking about here really is, is the work towards self-awareness, self-healing, and, you know, in, in some ways, ego transcendence. And I'm curious to hear what you consider some of the best approaches to that work, some of the best modalities.
1: Well, I mean, the, like the two constants in every t- retreat that I do, uh, no matter what the theme of it, whether it's personal empowerment or conscious relationships or life purpose or LGBT heroes, LGBTQ mm-hmm. heroes, mm-hmm. Um, one is the ego. Mm-hmm. Right, because we've got to understand that, because that's where it all comes from. That's where all those misunderstandings, that's where the defensiveness, the reactivity, the judgment, the projections—that's where it all comes from. From that, from that wounded part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The uh, so that's primary. Like understanding yep. the mind and how it works and why we do the things we do. Yep. So part of that process is looking at the patterns.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if we're looking at empowerment, uh, for example, what in what type of relationships do I tend to give my power away? Where do I get triggered, right? Because you and I are not going to be triggered by the same things. Mm-hmm. And and so why does that bother me and not my friend will? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so doing that work is work, but it is mm-hmm. infinitely worthwhile because once we get to the core of it and figure out what's really going on under the surface, then we can do something about it
2: mm-hmm. so
1: that we liberate ourselves. Um, so the so my retreats have that com- that cognitive understanding component of why we do the things we do mm-hmm. and then I always include breathwork
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: as a healing practice because in over 30 years that I've been doing it I have yet to come across anything mm. that that heals as quickly and at so many levels as breathwork my wow. my dad was a psychiatrist my degree is in psychology mm. I was on a track to get a PhD until I discovered breathwork. And mm. then after my very first session, I jumped tracks. Mm. And I never went for the PhD because it works so fast mm. and heals so profoundly. I don't know anything that, that heals past trauma as quickly and as effectively as it does.
0: What is it about breathwork that's so effective?
1: That's a really good question because they haven't studied breathwork in the same way that they've studied meditation. There's so sure. much- evidence on the benefits of of meditation, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, not only in terms of health, but in NRPs, productivity at work, et cetera. They're only now starting to to, uh, study breath work. So the way that I get it, you know, that I speak about it is more Mm -hmm. psycho-spiritual. And so when I think about the fact that the breath is our most loyal companion Mm. on this journey of embodiment, of being alive, that's, you know, that's significant. And then to take it further, we look at most religions and spiritual traditions in the world, and even seven, several secular languages, the same word, one word can mean breath or spirit, depending mm-hmm. on what we're talking about, depending on the context. And And so for me, ultimately, that's what helps me understand why how it works, because otherwise, even 30 plus years into it, it still boggles my mind. Huh, just wow. breathing, even physical healing can happen. And wow. I know that sounds too good to be true. I know. To mm. The more skeptical scientific part of me, it still sounds too good to be true, but it mm. works. Yeah. I cannot argue with the result. It Mm-mm-mm. works.
0: Yeah. What popped up for me, if I were to be asked that question, and I'm certainly have much less experience as you with breath work. um, And certainly I have though experienced like transcendent moments with breath work where I almost felt like I was in a um, psychoactive kind of state. One, one time in particular, I felt myself become a lizard and, you know, these, these deities that were around me were, were coming to life and it was, you know, as if I had had invited plant medicine, um, but simply through the breath. Um, what what popped up for me though is this possibility of breath. Being such a conduit for moving energy, you know, and and emotions being energy and motion, yeah, breath. Yeah. Like if I think about a baby crying, it's like they're breathing and they're crying and wailing. Or when we're angry, we're screaming, and the breath is leaving our body, and we're breathing in and out. So I'm just, yeah, curious if, yeah, yeah. if no, that I, resonates. I like well. that,
1: and I use that metaphor as well. Um, mm. It's, and, and you're right, I often, often hear that, you know, from people who come to breathe. Oh, I got to the same place that I did on a, on a sacred plant medicine journey. Mm, yeah. And, and I think another, to, you know, to circle back to what we we're talking about before, it, it gives us a glimpse of the stadium. Yes. yes. And, and one thing is reading about that. The another one is experience it in your body, in your cells. And that is uh, a game changer. It's life changing. Mm. Um, and you're totally right about the emotions. That's, that's mm. one of the ways in which breathwork works. It clears the emotional blockages. Mm-hmm. Um, because what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy, now we know from quantum physics, that everything is in fact energy. That includes this chair that I'm sitting on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body, the emotions, all energy, even though it feels solid, it's vibration. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know from physics, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change forms. Yes. And so all those countless times in our lives where we have stuffed our emotions, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Right? As much as, as, as we want to sweep it under the rug, it doesn't work that way. In fact, it's worse. It only festers and gets worse under the surface.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's, to me, the beauty of, of breathwork is it bypasses the mind and it goes to the source of where that trauma now lives, which is in the body, and it clears mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, you know, I'm talking about serious trauma. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you all the stuff that I've seen. Mm -hmm. I've heard about over the last 30 years. I'm talking about sexual abuse, incest, violent crimes, Mm -hmm. um, and it gets healed. People's lives change quickly.
0: Wow. Beautiful. Yeah, it definitely inspires me to mm, feel an invitation to experiment and experience more breath work. I'm present to one of the nights in Costa Rica, healing trauma around being bullied when I was uh, in the eighth grade for being gay before it was out. These rumors had spread about me being gay. And I had a moment in ceremony where I realized I had never cried about that. I had, Mm. during the time that it happened, I was so terrified of my family finding out that I had been abandoned by all my friends and that I was getting bullied because I didn't want them to, Think I was gay too, and I didn't. I felt all this shame, so I was hiding the fact that I was going through that experience when it was happening. I had no one to talk to, and I just put on a smiling face as if nothing was happening. And I it occurred to me in ceremony suddenly that I had never cried about it, and so then it was like, okay, it's time to go cry about it. And you know, I did a lot of crying, and then a lot of puking, Mm. and a lot of purging, and all the different ways, a lot of shaking, and it 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 felt very effective. and felt like a very healing experience and as we're talking though i i, I have felt like breath work is ch- very challenging for me physically but i'm like well that was also really challenging <laughs> physically to cry and puke and purge in those ways so yeah. you know i get to pick my battles i suppose but it's all <laughs> in the service of my healing
1: exactly and it's not an either or yes you know, the medicine mm-hmm. the medicine work is great Mm.
0: And everybody's (laughs) going to
1: gravitate towards that kind of thing. Mm. So many legal issues and stuff like that involved. Um, Breathwork is, it's free, it's legal, and there's no hangover the next day.
2: Mm,
0: Yes, that's right. (laughs) Beautiful. And I love that you do it often in retreat settings. Is that um, purposeful? Do you find retreats to be an effective modality for doing this deep dive? Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, like I I always do intros of sessions. Like last night I did a group for like 30 people here and down here in Miami. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm on my way to San Francisco where I'll do one over there this coming Mm -hmm. weekend. Um, Yeah, there's something about a retreat because you're you're walking out of your life. You're breaking the the habitual stuff, the day-to-day, the demands, the distractions of the day-to-day and you're dedicating this time to yourself for your healing, for your empowerment, for your your freedom. And and Mm. there's a lot of power in that. And and the power too, to do it with a community of people that are also doing the same thing. Mm. It's very supportive because part of the ego construct is that we all have blind spots. There's stuff that we're never going to see, but boy, can I see it over there in you. So Mm -hmm. when we go through these experiences in a group, if I can see it over there and know that if it's there, it's somehow in here, it might look completely different, but it's in here somewhere. Um, and and the more that whatever they do gets us, the clearer it is that it's in here too. Yes. Uh, Then we get to use that that group experience and that supportive, nurturing community Mm -hmm. as a way to fast track our healing process. Mm.
0: Yes. And as you were talking about that, what came up for me is the trigger piece that you talked about earlier, which is when we're in these group settings away from our default space, Oftentimes, there's more opportunity to get triggered. And those moments of getting triggered are always such helpful clues into what we need to heal. You know, they're like little moments of like, oh, okay, there's something there that I need to look at, Um, because often I sometimes feel at at this point in in my work that uh, it's very nuanced, and so I'm kind of walking through the world like, oh, I think I've got this, and then when something gets me, it's like, oh, good, there's something juicy (laughs) I'm gonna figure
1: out. Well, here, I, I, I so resonate with that because it is so nuanced and, and the mm. further we go, the more nuanced and subtle that it becomes. Mm-hmm. So here's an example of that. If, you know, A few years ago, 10, 10, 15 years ago, when I moved back to South Florida from California, I just ended a, a really amazing relationship. Um, and we did it in a beautiful, very honoring, graceful uh, way. Mm. And we're still we're still spiritual brothers. It's like mm-hmm. the love doesn't have to die. The form, the container of the relationship changed yes. into something else. Uh, but the love doesn't have to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, it was. I'd been on this cross-country drive. I started dating somebody when I got down here and I knew that it wasn't relationship material, not that I would feel superior, just in terms of values, life experience, sure. self-awareness, all those things. I knew that there was no way. Mm-hmm. That 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 it would be a match for a for a long term relationship, but hey, I wasn't looking for one right then. Mm-hmm. Neither was he, mm-hmm. and what was there was great, which was amazing, beautiful, hot, and very beautiful connected sex. Yeah. Um. So at some point, you know, he's didn't show up. Like happened like three or four times. No message, mm-hmm. no text, mm-hmm. no email, no phone call, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, huh, that's weird. And but I wasn't focused over here. I was focused over there. Like what's going sure. on with him? All of mm-hmm. them at work, he wasn't working there. So I said, was, was he fired? Is it drugs? Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. So I had to subconsciously create another situation in a different part of my life. Mm. So I was flying to New York and to meet with a literary agent that I was working with at the time. And she was great about communication and getting back to me. Mm-hmm. Usually within a day at most too. A week goes by, and I haven't heard from her. Mm. And okay, now, now I got my attention, mm-hmm. right? So first, since these are blind spots, you know, we focus over there first, All right? So what mm. are they doing? Mm. Like people from different walks of life, what are they doing? They're not showing up, literally. Mm. They're not keeping their word. Mm. They're not doing what they said they would do. They're not in integrity because of that. Sure. Mm. Right? So it's easy to, to, to shove that mirror in front of them. Like, you're not doing this. You're yeah. not showing up. Sure this is a lot yeah. more difficult. Are, yeah. How am I doing that crap? I didn't want to have to do that exercise again, that work again. Mm. And it took me a few days because I started looking at my relationships. Wow. Of course, I was going through my life, when I, but if I was taking a shower, going for a walk or something, I was being in that question. Yeah, um, And no, no, I'm showing up. No, I'm in integrity. No, I'm keeping my agreements. Mm. And then it hit me. Mm. In relationship to my writing. Ah. How many times had I said to myself, nobody else was even aware of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish that chapter by such and such a date. Yeah. Did I do it? No. Um, I was doing good stuff. I was doing retreats, traveling to do workshops, seeing clients, mm-hmm. all great stuff. But in that particular area, I wasn't showing up. Yes. I wasn't keeping my word to myself in that area. Yes. Right? So it's same shit. Just yeah. different details, but same thing. Perfect. And here's how this thing, is it, because it's almost like magic. Within an hour, and I'm not exaggerating, within an hour of me having that insight, mm-hmm. they both called.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So, so no longer did I need that external drama uh-huh. uh, to get that insight, right? Wow, you're not yeah. showing up. And make a choice, right? There's no law that says I have to finish the book or finish that chapter. But I have to bring it to consciousness and uh-huh. either choose it and do it or unchoose it and said, "You know what? I'm not going to finish it.
0: That's it." Yeah. Oh, I love it when the universe so masterfully orchestrates these things. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, he got it. Okay, boom! <laughs> <laughs> remove the curse. Remove the spell. <laughs> the lessons learned. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. So much. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, well, wonderful. Anything you want to share about the summit that you're you're working on?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be producing. Um, a virtual conference on LGBTQ spirituality. It'll happen mm. this June. June, wonderful. Uh, what's the date? June 17 to 24. Great. Um, it's it's going to be pre-recorded interviews with amazing people. Mm. Um, and we haven't listed them yet because we're still in the process of of getting the confirmations and their bios and their pictures. But people like Clyde Hall, who's a Native Great. American elder and author and renowned mm-hmm. as one of one of the founders of reclaiming this two-spirit movement in the indigenous circles in, 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 the, in North America. Uh, prince Manvedra, who's an actual Indian prince who's openly gay. Oh, and yes. Help, help, help your youth in, in his province where he lives. Mm. Um, Reverend um, Eggleston, who's the, the current MCC minister and, and many more, just amazing mm. people. And, and it's, it'll be free event. Um, if people want to buy, because it'll probably be like 30 speakers, but if they want to invest in a VIP uh, pass, we're going to keep it very um, affordable, like maybe you know 37 bucks or something like that. The intention behind it is, coming back to my first book, coming out spiritually, is helping our, our, our community reclaim these archetypal roles of spiritual service and yes. spiritual leadership that we have played throughout history, across every culture, every continent. Mm. Um, not only for ourselves and our fulfillment, but also, and maybe more importantly,
0: for the sake of the world. Yes. Um, mm, such important work. Thank you so much for creating that. What a beautiful gift. Thank you. Thank and you. And for all your gifts, all the ways that you are, are you showing up to support this evolution and this time, this very important time. Thank you. Thank you, Will. That, that touches my heart. Mm. Any final thoughts you want to share with the
1: listeners? Uh, well, I wanted to say thank you for sure, and mm-hmm. I wanted to thank to thank you both for having me and mm-hmm. and for having the 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 podcast for having the show because I know that um, in your willingness, lives are being impacted, and this message mm-hmm. is is getting out there. And um, you know, I I think it's all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. It really is an all hands on deck moment. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's part of what this conference is about. It's like a wake up call, a call to arms. Um, Yes. And whether, you know, if you have had the slightest suspicion that you have work to do as a teacher, as a healer, Mm -hmm. as an activist for change, Mm -hmm. this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the time that we've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Time to wake
0: up and let those lights shine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Christian. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Wow, I hope you got as much out of that interview as I did conducting it. I'll be sharing more about the LGBTQ Spiritual Summit because Queerly Beloved has signed on as one of its sponsors, which I'm really excited about. So check the show notes to connect with Christian. And as always, to connect with me, go to wil-fullyliving.com. I'm currently offering a free vision strategy session, and I'd love to connect with you. Until next time. Oh my goddess, beloveds, what a joy it was to be with you today. Let's hang out again soon, okay? Sending so much love and light your way today and every day. Until next time, peace.